0: Welcome to the Capgemini Reinventing Retail Podcast. My name is Raj Ghanachar and this week we're going to be discussing the future of demand forecasting and the challenges that the COVID pandemic has had on the ability of retailers to predict which products and what quantities customers would like to buy. Today I'm joined by a number of our retail experts here at Capgemini and um, another company, Blue Yonder, who will be providing their insight and expertise. So today, from Capgemini, we've got Chris Long and Gabby Tomlinson, both specializing in demand planning and retail operations. And from software and consultancy provider Blue Yonder, we've got Wayne Schneider, a VP in retail strategy for EMEA, and Stuart Douglas, an AI solutions expert. So welcome to you all.
1: Hi. Hiya.
0: Hi, thanks, Brad. So, we're all aware of the impact that COVID's had on the retail industry as a whole, with a number of recent casualties, particularly in the past 12 months. Uh, If you'd like to learn more about that, please tune in to some of our previous podcasts. Um, But to kick off with today, how has COVID impacted demand forecasting, and what are the main challenges and impacts that we think will continue into 2021?
2: Cool. Yeah, so I'll I'll kick off with that question. Thanks, Raj. So, yeah, I think the last year has been incredibly challenging for retailers. Um, Even before going into the pandemic situation, it was already challenging enough to do demand forecasting with consumer behaviours constantly changing, shifting between uh, in-store, online, uh, the growth of online shopping, mobile shopping as well. So, um, they already had a challenge going in. And then when COVID happened, of course, with the lockdowns, it was very, very hard to be able to forecast what that demand from customers was going to be. We saw a shift in consumer consumer shopping habits uh, as we went into the first lockdown. So, um, shopping habits went away from sort of the normal, you know, buying of clothes and, um, you know, more home electrical items, so then focusing more on the necessities that they needed during that lockdown period. Um, there was a surge of online ordering, obviously because the shops weren't opening, so it was difficult to, to really sort of forecast that shift to of demand across their online channel. Um, and I think one of the biggest challenges with dealing with that was was um, being able to actually get that stock uh, in the right places as well. So not only did you have this challenge of being able to forecast what what were you, the, the demand going to be from from different um, Different markets and different areas of the country, um, but also the stock being in the wrong locations. So whether it be in, in in the wrong DCs or even still stuck in stores when the stores were closed as well. Um, so even if you're able to accurately forecast that demand, it was it was difficult enough being able to get the stock to the customer. Um, I think what what COVID has done is it's almost brought brought us back to year zero of, of customer data. So it, it's effectively resetted what uh, you know what consumers are buying. Um, I think through through the pandemic people have changed their their, their shopping habits. They they have had to think about what they're spending their money on. There's been obviously many people furloughed um, and they've had to watch watch how how their expenditure goes. Um, So we're in this this situation um, now in the the second lockdown as well where we're really, it's unknown what what those consumer habits are gonna be coming out of the pandemic. We have some data um, to work on, but it's not always gonna be um, effective enough for uh, retailers to actually forecast. I think if we just get just as a comparison, if we look at Boxing Day um, in 2020, if you compare that to 2019, it was it was 60 percent down um, in terms of sales um, from the previous year. And so that's quite quite an impact. Um, on demand and so really really difficult to forecast i think going forward um hopefully when we come out of these these lockdowns and we'll be back in our tier restrictions hopefully we'll see a, a gradual uh, move up on on consumer buying um and we'll be at the be able to get themselves into a place with more normality and normal forecasting but like i say that data is reset now and they're going to have to reset exactly what you know what, what that data means for them as a, as a business so that they have that historical baseline which is going to help them to Effectively forecast going forward.
3: Yeah, just um, on that point, Chris. I think one of the big um, kind of the big well, what I, we've seen a lot in COVID is obviously sales history is one of the or is the biggest input into your demand forecast, and you're looking at such a kind of shorter period of time um, to help inform that. So I think um, we've definitely seen um, trends in um, demand sensing. I mean, also through that. Um, a big sh- focus on automation. So, where um, we can use, well, perhaps machine learning um, can focus on um, coming up with a much more um, insightful forecast, especially for that shorter period of time. Um, we've had a lot of retailers kind of coming to us to, to, to understand more about how we could leverage that. Um, I think that probably um, ties nicely with the next question in terms of the technologies available, um, but definitely um, coming out of COVID. I think retailers are really wanting to um, understand more about where they can use machine learning, specifically for that short-term demand, um, where you know traditionally you'd use a long, a lot longer period of sales history.
4: So some quite interesting um, observations that we saw from uh, our customers um, that are using our machine learning forecasting at the um, what we call the crazy COVID period. So it was last March and April when the, the lockdowns were all announced and we went, as consumers, we all went a little bit crazy panic buying. And the, f- the first kind of question that I always get asked is, well, could machine learning not predict that? And the simple answer to that, and unfortunately it's a disappointing one, is... No, it can't, because machine learning fundamentally relies on data. Um, and not only is there not really any data um, of um, us as uh, human creatures behaving so uh, crazily, um, but I don't think any any of us could really have predicted um, how we would behave. So as humans, we couldn't really predict how we would behave. Um, but what we found that... Um, Our machine learning could do is it could respond and react very quickly Um, and without getting really technical one of the the big advantages to machine learning compared to traditional demand planning with a time series is rather than looking at a time series where you look at one product in one store Machine learning can look across. How's that pr- product performing in all stores? How's the product category performing? So, by looking across similar products in similar locations, you can identify a trend much quicker, and um, because you you cast the net wider, so you you can absorb more data and then be more certain that what you're seeing isn't just a random number. Um, actually, that trend is happening everywhere. So. Is, the, is that store selling more toilet roll than just a random occurrence? No, it's not, because it's not just that product. It's all products in toilet roll in that store, and it's all toilet roll across the country. Okay, something's happening with toilet roll. Um, and that that's where machine learning can help customers um, react much quicker. Um, and we actually did some analysis of the, the overrides that... Um, uh, our customers were applying to the system and found that seventy-five percent of the the demand overrides that that people were applying were actually worse than um, if they just left the forecasting to to react and catch up itself, and that's kind of the sign of the, the human bias. We 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 have our biases, and um, the machine is uh, is purely rational based on data, um, and in these situations uh, can actually be more effective.
3: In terms of the demand drivers, did you? Um, I think at the beginning of um, the, the crisis, um, there were discussions about modeling um, say for example, the impact in the UK on retailers on countries that might have um, gone for example China, and understanding how um, how that demand and, and, and the trend and then modeling it on uk retail. Is that anything you've explored um, to bring those insights into the forecast?. Okay. Okay. Well,
1: so, so so probably. I mean, if you look at the example of like China in previous pandemics, and um, I think, I mean, this one. The truth is, this one's lasted much longer in Europe. You know, um, I mean, in Asia, obviously, that had a different response to the pandemic. Now, but if you look at historical things, so whether it be um, kind of previous kind of outbreaks of bird flu or um, kind of nuclear reactor challenges, for example, which is also a similar thing that people looked at, um, where there was short-term disruption. Um, it, these things tended to last about three months and I had a very heavy bounce back. We've not seen this in this pandemic. I think what we what we also would say is that one of the advantages we're seeing with machine learning is that actually it um, it kind of learns things on a much more granular level. Um, so you know, kind of you know, the I'd say the generic responses that kind of were in previous kind of pandemics have not really necessarily kind of you know seen itself out here. Um, what it does do, to add to what Stuart was saying, is that rather, rather than looking at um, the past, which is really what a time series solution does, it knows simply what happened in the past. And the Stuart said, just for that particular item in store, what machine learning does is try to understand why things are happening. Um, so it tries to understand kind of the, you know the correlations with this and with external events and on all, all a variety of different things. So um, it, you know it's, its ability to kind of challenge itself to try to understand why, as opposed to what. It kind of really adds to that kind of responsiveness, but I would I would say that you know um, mod- modelling of the sort that you've just described kind of ut- um, we we didn't really do um, that much, but I would say that that's probably an example where to Stuart's point, where humans have tried to do that, it sent them in the wrong direction, and um, because actually kind of the responses in this pandemic have been, have been quite different to to many of the other ones. Um, are
0: there any? Kind of examples of particular innovations we've seen at retailers to try and solve that exact problem.
1: Well, I think I mean I think what 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 we would say is to Stuart's point is that the machine learns very very quickly. So you know in in our research we found that over fifty percent of retailers found their biggest problem in it actually was was workforce people just being off not being available in the early stages of the of the pandemic. Um, and as Stuart said, where people then try to overlay their subjective viewpoint, it sent them more often than not in the wrong direction. So I think one of the things that people will learn as they utilise these new technologies when when to get involved and when not to get involved. I think the historic tendencies with time series solutions, because they were unable to respond quickly, have been to be able to meddle and add that you know what our human input. But actually, with these machines being able to respond much quicker, and I say to understand things in, the, in a quite a different way. Um, I think we'll see a lot more people realizing kind of you know, the the, the, the it's a real exception where they need to get involved
0: and almost going to look at the future now um how do we think we're going to see leading retailers leveraging forecasting? where do we think the future and trends are going to be
2: yeah I can talk to that one so i think I think the challenge that that retailers have had over the many years is their ability to adopt new technology. Um you know when we talk about AI and machine learning it is it is quite a scary thought, you know, um and to be able to take take their business really that that huge step forward into something really which really is futuristic um for them anyway. Um, but I think what 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 covid um proved to you know, it, it enabled retailers to prove themselves was that actually they can be very agile and they can react to things quite quickly. Um, and you know as they went into lockdowns, lots of businesses, realigns their business model so that they could serve customers online um they could you know adjust what they were what they were selling in their stores so that they could become focus more on the essential items so i think they they've given themselves the confidence to be able to do things um, and i think that's going to help in terms of um how in terms of their adoption of of future technologies as well um i think the biggest you know the biggest learning for retailers through through the pandemic is that if they don't have an online off- um, offering then they're going to lose so we're going to see more more retailers move to to um, adopting a more of an online offering. Um, and then through that, they're gonna need the technology to back it up around forecasting. And with with you know the lot the restrictions in place, constantly changing restrictions as well, they're gonna need something you know very intelligent to be able to help them forecast that. So I think if we look forward to 2021, I think we'll start to see more retailers start to adopt this technology, um, you know, and start, start to build that in-house capability, looking at how the machine is is predicting these forecasts and then how they can, you know, adjust that and tweak things themselves to get what, what fits their business and, 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 you know, ultimately to get the stock in the right place that they right time like find for their customers.
1: I think one of the things that actually we, we haven't really reconciled yet also in society is the impact of work from home. Um, you know, I think that, you know, as retailers, a lot of our um kind of... Experiences just come around, kind of just being together, talking to people in the organisation about a variety of different things. You know, when when you're thinking about forecasting, it's it's having conversations, it's analysing data, it's, it's speaking to a wider team. Those things are much more difficult in a work from home environment, um, and collaboration is going to become a kind of an, an interesting area where technology can really help support that. But again, I think that's really going to play into the hand to the automation that Stuart was talking about and the ability to actually kind of a, 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 a utilize the technology to be able to kind of respond quickly and automate a lot of these processes, which maybe more, get more challenging when we're working in a more remote uh, environment.
0: I think
4: one of the, um, uh, it's interesting, Chris, that you're saying that uh, machine learning does have a perception as being scary. Um, it's like, is it a black box? What is it? Is, are we gonna get taken over by robots? Um, and uh, I think one of the things that um, I think we've, we've we've hopefully gone through the hype cycle and now we're getting to the, like, the reality cycle of machine learning. Um, and what can it do in forecasting? Well, machine learning is very good at forecasting because fundamentally machines and computers are really good where there's lots of data. And when you just think about the sales per item per day in a store across a retailer's network, that's already a lot of data. If you add in the price changes, if you add in the weather, if you add in the calendar, the holiday calendar, already and when you start drawing correlations between all those different parts of data, that's a huge amount of data to go through. So you don't actually need a huge amount of data um, or data that doesn't already exist in retailers organizations to leverage machine learning. And then when you look at actually what it's doing, it's doing what your best demand planner would do if they had the time and they were only looking after one product or maybe one product category. So really what machine learning is doing is it's, it is doing the, the the thinking that like a really, really good demand planner would do, but it can do it at scale. And it can do it every day, checking every product every day. Um, so I think one of the things um, I hope uh, that happens this year Um, as we kind of move out of the hype of machine learning and into kind of the reality and it gets a bit bit demystified Um, and then what it means for an organization is demand planners stop creating a forecast and rather you, you you let the system get on with making the forecast and then that gives time for demand planners to do what humans are uniquely good at which is building relationships having that collaboration across the business, using the forecast to get ahead of the game. And then also um, being creative and having ideas. So when the unexpected situations do come up, um, you can trust the machine to kind of catch up, but you have to come up with the creative ideas as humans for how do you set up the pop-up e- e-fulfillment sites? How do you very quickly ramp up um, your home delivery van network? Um, so that, that's what humans are good at. So the machines take care of the stuff that is dealing with data and allows humans to do what we are uniquely good at.
1: I think to add, to add to that, Stuart, I think that to your point is that actually, you know, maybe, maybe the industry itself has done itself a disservice by using these terms of machine learning. And, it, it, you know, we know that it portrays sometimes the um, the, the movie scaring these different things, which, which it really isn't. I think it's a great way of whether you described it, that actually, you know, I often think as kind of machine learning is, you know, if you take any of us, um, train us up to be really really good in maths and stats and then replicate us a million times yeah that's, that's, that's what it can do you know it's just lots of mini us um, that's doing the work for us it's not some sort of big scary machine that's going to you know take over the world in fact i would say quite the opposite if you look at machine learning today and, and ai it's what many people call narrow ai it's very much designed for a very specific purpose and um, something in the and and I would say that the purpose that it's been most used for in retail is certainly in the forecasting area, forecasting area, where these algorithms have been very much tailored to solve a very specific problem. And I think that, you know, kind of we, we you know, it, we shouldn't think of it as some sort of kind of machine in the way that conjures up these different things. We you know we don't think of, you know, a calculator as some sort of scary machine, but we use it every day to help us do a better job. And I think that. And um, people will very quickly come to realise that that's exactly what this is going to do for them as well.
3: Yeah, just just quickly on that, I think what we've found, especially in the last year, um, is there's been a lot of demand for. Um, machine learning can manage, um, you know, majority of your portfolio, but up to a third of your range is, is new products. And I think it'd be great to see, like, how machine learning machine learning could leverage um, or we, we could leverage machine learning to actually start to understand more about um, innovation and how to forecast innovation and use some of those insights. I mean, we've also looked um, this year, last year, image recognition and just different ways to actually use these insights to help provide a forecast for new products. Because um, that's kind of the, the gap in are very reliant obviously on, on the human, um, on humans to help um, provide that forecast.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that we can definitely utilize technology to, to do those different things, uh, and, and we're starting to see it. But I, I would say, if we're looking at retails in a cr- kind of a, uh, a crawl, walk, run scenario, um, we know that a lot of people are spending more than 50% of their time firefighting. Um, and actually, if you can utilize, if you start off by utilizing machine learning to actually do the things that it does really, really, really well, you, what you'll find is actually, as humans, we have a lot more time to do those things that we do well. Um, and and do them better. So I think that you know I think Stuart Stuart's got some great ideas about how machine learning can definitely leverage you know utilizing kind of those historic trends, utilizing a optimization optimization, um, understanding um, um, segmentation, and all these different things that really help. But actually, you know, just just freeing up time for humans to do a better job is a, going to be a massive contribution over the next few years as well. Mm-hmm.
4: We actually did a, um, a little experiment, uh, some, some, uh, some research and development on image recognition um, to set up new products. Uh, so setting up new products, um, like the data and the attributes and then new product forecasting. Uh, and one of the tasks um, was to use image recognition to look at a product and put it into the right product uh, subcategory. And we looked at our results and we'd done our training sets and we're getting like 95, 99% um, accuracy. And we, were, we were quite confident in it. We thought we'd we've nailed it. And then we did the test with the retail and it came back at like 80%. And we're like, oh, what's, what's going on here? Um, so we looked at the the, the um, products that the image recognition got wrong. And it was things like um, a black leather jacket, uh, a winter coat, um, The the machine had put that into the um, the winter coats subcategory, but the business had a subcategory called leather, which which didn't follow the trend of everything else. And the machine didn't understand that. So it's quite interesting. when um, it's, It's an example of where the machine does think very rationally and very literally. That is a black winter jacket. But we've decided for whatever reason as a business structure that we, we put anything to do with leather in its own unique subcategory category structure. Um, so was the machine wrong or was the business wrong? I don't know, but it's interesting for, um, for you, for the human way of thinking, machine way of thinking uh, can uh, sometimes not quite align.
0: So, unfortunately, that is all we have time for, but thank you very much to our guests for their insights. And in particular, thank you to Wayne and Stuart from Blue Yonder, um, and to our guests for tuning in and listening. Um, as always, if you'd enjoyed our discussion and would like to stay up to date with future episodes, you can subscribe to the Cap Gemini podcast using your favourite podcasting app. So SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher or Spotify. Um, thank you all for tuning in. This is
2: Designing Momentum, a podcast from Cap Gemini. Designing Momentum is a show about what it takes to build and maintain momentum in business. When the odds are against you, how do you forge your own path? Original ideas very rarely come from looking in the same places you always look. So in this show, we'll be turning the spotlight in a different direction that you wouldn't necessarily think to look. Hosted by me, Frank Wammers, and with the help of Rachel Burford, International Women's Rugby World Cup winner, And experts in emerging technology in sport will be exploring why what goes on in the boardroom isn't so different to what happens on the pitch. Make sure you subscribe now in Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts.